Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Hoping we find you all in good form. John Paul taking calls on his own today, so bear with him. Um, the phone lines have already started to, to be busy. Keep your calls coming though, 1850 But you can always text and WhatsApp as well to 0862103103. Looking at the papers uh, today, there is a real sense of people trying to return to some kind of normality and all of the newspapers are picking up on stories and they have photographs of people returning to restaurants, to bars, people going to hair salons, people going to church, gyms reopening and uh, many of the papers are showing pictures of long queues for people, for men, for barber shops, not for the ladies' hairdressers, for the barber shops, large queues uh, for haircuts. Um, and, and everyone, I have to say, socially distancing, certainly in any of the photographs I saw, and people inside in restaurants and bars that serve food, going for their first pint. I saw an article with one, uh, one man saying a pint of Guinness never tasted so good. So it looks like some businesses, you know, while some people will still be nervous, I think, about going out and about, it does certainly look like day one there was this sense of normality and it's great for the business community but we just all have to be uh, really really careful I have to say I was lucky enough I got a hairdressing appointment uh, yesterday and it does all seem a little bit strange walking into a hairdressing salon wearing a face mask and walking in and seeing your hairdresser with a face mask on but it was just it did feel very normal and back to normality to sit there and to chat and uh, I'm, I'm very lucky in that my hairdresser Anne is a very good friend of mine and she's a small little salon so it's just the two of us on our own and she was saying that you know the appointment system she doesn't do walk-ins anymore now it's all appointments and that it works out much better she knows exactly who's coming and people were being really good I know it was only day one but people were being really good about turning up on time and then you get your hair done and you leave before the next person comes in and you know it was it was great but just it just there was a strangeness to it in walking in all the magazines obviously are gone and walking in to see the hand sanitising station and uh, she was really good you know wherever you were there was if you wanted more hand sanitizer, it was there and then as I was finished 
uh, there was probably a 15 minute gap in between the next appointment, uh, her next lady arriving. And as we were chatting, she was cleaning down the seat and, you know, it was all being disinfected for the next person. You know, I got comfort from that. You know what I mean? You know that when you go at the, and I think hairdressers anyway and barber shops the same. They've, they've always been really good about cleanliness and beauticians are the same. They're very, almost a sterile environment. So I don't think anyone uh, will have any concerns or worries. But I think if we all, we all just have to play ball. We all just have to stick to the rules and regulations that have been put in place because while there is that sense of normality about yesterday with so much opening up, you then listen to the World Health Organisation who are coming out saying, you know, this is not over by a long uh, shot. And we have our own Tony Houlihan, who I think, you know, everybody listens to when Tony Houlihan speaks, everybody listens uh, to him. And he's come out very strongly and saying to the thousands of people who have booked their summer holidays abroad, uh, he's saying you should reconsider. He's actually saying to people, you, even if you have a booking for later on in the summer, he's saying that you should uh, cancel. Dr Tony Houlihan issued the plea amid, now it is a small but it is a worrying rise in clusters of travel related infections and there's also an increase in the cases of the virus in young people and this is young people who are basically flouting the rules and regulations that are already in uh, place. The surprise turnaround in the passion of infection has now stoked fears of a potential flare-up on the the virus and bearing in mind they were giving these figures on the day that the pubs and the restaurants and the hairdressers and the hotels and a range of other businesses welcomed back customers for the first time since March. So the figures they gave yesterday had nothing to do with the opening up and the easing of of restrictions. One of the clusters has been linked to a person who returned from Iraq and then infected others in the northwest. Now, you would hope that the others that that person infected were with the family group or the household where he where that person lives. But we, we don't know. We just know that it's a, a small cluster. It's in the northwest and it's been linked to uh, Iraq. There was another case linked. There was a couple of cases linked to travelling to Britain and there's also some cases linked to travel in Sweden. But the fear now is that as more people go abroad for getaways that they'll pick up the infection, bring it back and then spread it spread it here. So Tony Houlihan saying, I know people have made bookings for holidays already. He said it would make much more sense if those people decided to cancel those holidays and not go away. Dr Tony Houlihan reported 24 new cases of the virus yesterday. Now, thankfully, there was no deaths, but there was 24 new cases. And it's the first reversal in the previous downward trend in the cases that had been spotted in the last five days. Now, he is... I suppose he's been a bit of a worrywart, wor- 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 and he is saying, look, it's early days and he says the rise may not be sustained. I mean, that's what we've got to hope for, that this that we're not going to today see another number around 24 or even higher. Uh, the hope would be that the 24 was just a kind of a rogue figure and there was a lot of cases for in the last 24 hours and that it will go back down again because for many days we've been reporting a number under the number under under 10 certainly it's been in sing, single figures uh, for many many days um, so he's saying it is too early but he's just raising the you know raising the alarm bells and saying just everybody 
take a breather here and look at these figures. Let's watch them closely. And he says they will continue to monitor them closely and see if it's something we need to, if there's something we need to do about it. It's the kind of thing he said we need to pick up early. A rising proportion of cases have been seen in young people. Uh, and then this is the other worry for Neffet and for the Department of Health. One person who tested positive, they then have to do the contact tracing for that person. That person had 20 contacts compared to cases that were testing positive back in April the most people they would have to contact was two or three people but you see as more people are going out somebody obviously tested positive who have you with in the last uh, week and they listed out 20 people and we're going to see more and more of that with more people going out and about and Tony Hoolan then went on you know to talk about witnessing young people along the Grand Canal in Dublin he said they were all wedged together and they were near pubs where they used to to frequent he said the uh, breaches were also not confined to young people. He said the older age group were also socialising and he accepted that people are frustrated by the limitations of the lockdown. So more people are gathering in groups of people and that's then if God, if you're unlucky enough that you test positive for COVID-19 and you have to give your list of who you were with in the last seven days, that unfortunately more and more people then have to be contacted and the danger is that that spreads to more people and then all their contacts have to be uh, contacted. Now the last government uh, this is on, tra- on travel abroad had promised that a green list of countries would be made available and they were hoping that it would be made available. I think so on the 9th of July was what the last government was saying that they were going uh, to do and that they'd pick these countries on this so-called green list that would have low levels of virus and the idea would be that we would welcome, that they would welcome holidaymakers without quarantine restrictions and when people would come back they wouldn't have to restrict for two weeks. But Dr Tony Houlihan is uh, warning yesterday that popular holiday destinations like France and Italy he reckons, looking at the figures in those countries, they would not make the uh, green uh, list. And they are they're looking now for more information from the European Centre for Disease Control, which is examining the virus spread in EU regions. And then they will be they will base their inf- they would base their advice based on information coming from the European Centre for Disease Control to make up this list of, of countries where possibly people could visit. But Dr. Tony Houlihan is saying to people. I wouldn't. I don't think anyone should be visiting. And then the latest poll. This is the weekly poll that we've been keeping an eye on that the Department of Health do. This is on face coverings that showed that forty five percent claim they're wearing face coverings, which is up from forty one percent. But there is ongoing scepticism about whether this self reported usage is reflected in practice. Because certainly when you're out and about, I I'm not seeing. For, I mean, if forty five percent of people say they're wearing face masks, that means roughly half of people you meet when you're out are are wearing face masks and that certainly has not been uh, reflected in uh, reality. More women than men are, are saying that they are wearing face masks. There's also growing concern among people about uh, resurgence of the virus. When people were asked do you think there's going to be a second wave? 64% of people now believe that there will be a second wave and one in four want more restrictions and nearly a third feel that the exit is simply moving too fast. And while we kind of celebrated a day of normality uh, yesterday and a feeling that, you know, is life getting back to normal? I think we got a rude awakening as to the reality of COVID-19. I don't know how many people watched RT Investigates last night and I welcome your thoughts if you did watch it uh, last night. It was a a programme, it's a two-part programme. The second part actually is on tonight. It went inside uh, St... 
St. James's Hospital in Dublin, which I'm open to correction, but I think is one of the hospitals that's had the highest number of deaths from uh, COVID-19. And it looked at the doctors and the nurses working in the intensive care units and patients, families, you know, spoke about being unable to visit their loved ones in their final hours because obviously of the risk of contracting the virus. And while then some who survived to come out the other side, talked about the uncertainty of their future and the long road to uh, recovery. And it obviously also... Uh, featured and focused and we remembered some of those who didn't make it through COVID-19. It has got to be one of the most heartbreaking programmes I've certainly watched in a long time. But it just brought home to me the reality of how, what a vicious, awful virus this COVID-19 is. And to see the way it affects older people and many of those older people led very healthy, active lives and to see them pass away on their own in, in, you know, a sterile location of a hospital without any of their loved ones beside them was just utterly heartbreaking. Just, it was, and it just brought back, it just... I think it just focused the mind on the reality of this awful disease. And while all of us hope and pray that we never get uh, the virus, and if, God forbid, we did get it, we hope that we'd make a full recovery. But if you picked it up and then you passed it on to somebody who was medically very, very vulnerable, how would you live with the guilt of knowing that you gave the virus to to a loved one? Maybe, you know, maybe a much-loved parent or a much-loved uh, grandparent. It's just... I don't know if you if you would ever actually get over uh, that. Uh, so I welcome your thoughts if you did watch uh, the programme uh, last night. Already some people have, have have been on. Eileen saying, hi Patricia, it was so sad and yet so uplifting. That's yeah, it's a good way to describe the programme actually because there was at times it was a really up, uplifting. Anyway, so sad and so uplifting to watch the RTE Investigates uh, programme from St James's Hospital last night. The staff were so compassionate and dignified in their care of each person. They had to learn as they went on. A lot of what they did was so alien to them. But they are a shining light and an example to all of us. We should also ask and follow all... uh, We should do as we're asked and follow the guidelines, if not for ourselves if not for ourselves then for those most vulnerable thank you to all and may all who passed uh, rest uh, in peace uh, thank you for that Eileen yeah, and the do you know the the compassion of the staff was just was amazing but it was just the dignified way in which they dealt with those who had passed away because they had to be laid out washed and laid out almost very quickly and then sealed into double body bags and obviously anyone who dies from COVID-19 there can't be an open uh, coffin but to hear one of the nurses say that the sound of the zipping up of the body bag and then the second body bag being zipped up is kind of a sound that almost haunts her and and just you know a, a sound that will always live with her and knowing that they will they are the last to see this person that their families will never get to see them again and that you know resonated with all of the uh, staff and I was just thankful that the environment in which these people died the hospital wasn't excessively busy and that's because all of us are playing our part and we're keeping the numbers down and we're keeping the numbers down that go into hospital and then the numbers that end up in ICU so that these wonderful staff while you know they're dealing with the most awful situations and having to be with people that they only got to know because they ended up 
in their hospital ward, being with them as they pass and then they're there almost as the representatives of the family, that at least they had the time to be able to wash the bodies, dress the bodies and then put them into these body bags and that the guys come and uh, take them away. It was just it was just the dignity in which they respected the loved ones. And I just felt for the family members who would have lost a loved one and would have witnessed that last night, I think it would have given great comfort uh, to those families. And Michael says, Patricia, for those of us watching Primetime Investigates uh, last night on COVID-19, it should have brought us all a dose of reality. We've all seen those wonderful staff wearing sweaty masks, visors, gowns and plastic gloves for most of the day while working in very dangerous conditions, trying to keep very ill people alive while putting their own lives at risk. It makes me sick when I hear people every day whining about having to wear a mask for about a half an hour in a supermarket. They need a good kick up the you know where, pardon my French. Remember, COVID-19 is like a raging fire. You have to put it out completely and you must make very, very sure that you do not forget the embers. That's uh, well put. Thank you for that. That's from Michael. Uh, so your thoughts are welcomed on that programme last night if you watched. When we were talking about hairdressing salons, Patrick from says, I was walking past hair salons yesterday. I noticed there's three salons, all the customers, all the hairdressers all had their masks on. But then I passed another salon and nobody had a mask on. On the other issue of people who find it hard to breathe while wearing a mask, Maybe they should be self-isolating at home and cocooning if they can't breathe with the mask on. Why would they even consider going on a uh, bus? Someone else wants to know how much did I pay when I got my hair done uh, yesterday? The very same price. Um, my hairdresser hasn't put up her prices at all, uh, which I was I was expecting it to be increased because obviously she's got additional costs and the amount of extra work that the woman has to do is incredible. But she's opted not uh, to increase her prices. And then people watching the Primetime Investigates programme last night says hi Patricia just want to say to our nurses and doctors out there after watching the programme last night you haven't been applauded enough at all what true strong heroes each and every one of you are and little did we know how far beyond your jobs you went to comfort patients so well done from all of us on the outside there wasn't a dry eye in my house watching the programme last night each and every one of them you were superheroes says a a texter and someone else says Good morning. Um, watched the programme last night on TV about the fantastic work that our nurses and healthcare workers are doing. We can't ever thank them enough. I have a friend who is a nurse and she had to ring her dad one night to simply come and collect her. She was simply too tired to drive home. It makes me mad when you see how teachers can uh, sit back at home, says uh, Paddy. Now I know teachers will be up in arms over that because they'll say that they, well, I don't think they, will they say they work as hard as nurses and doctors in an ICU unit a COVID ICU unit maybe they won't say that but they'll certainly say that they were working and weren't sitting at home uh, doing nothing and lots of other people saying that programme last night made us show, show that we have to really double down on everything that we have been asked to do. We need to protect ourselves and protect the most vulnerable. Okay, Sinead uh, joins me. This is an example of how, how do we protect against this. Uh, good morning to you Sinead. Good morning, Patricia. Okay, you have a story to tell, I think, that's going to alarm a number of people. You were in, yes. was it Killarney at the weekend? Yes. You were in, yes. T- tell us what happened. Well, I live on the Cork Kerry border and my partner lives in Killarney. So I was back there at the weekend and we were inside in a particular shop and two American uh, fellows, maybe early to mid-twenties, came in looking for uh, directions to a certain area um, in Killarney. 
And in conversation, we ask them, you know, how come you're here as visitors? And basically, they said they flew into Britain, then came into Northern Ireland, hired a car and came down. And when we questioned them in the respect of COVID, oh, our president said we can travel. So we're traveling. So there was no self, they didn't self-isolate or anything? Oh, no, 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 definitely not. And I have noticed um, in the town over the last couple of weeks and this weekend in particular, the amount of tourists that are around the place and the amount of cars I saw um, with uh, roof boxes and bikes on the back. Uh, Now, a lot of these were Irish cars, but they're all descending on your tip excuse me, or typical tourist areas. So what's going to happen? Are we going to have a a major influx into these areas? Does COVID go crazy? Well, you see, the message to people is to staycation. They are asking people in Ireland to go on holidays. Now, only Mm -hmm. time will tell. Will the tourist tourist areas then become hotspots for COVID-19 if people are bringing... But you see, at the moment, our cases are low. But, mm-hmm. but then when you hear Tony Houlihan yesterday, you know, the 23 yesterday, and if we have 25 today and if we have 30 tomorrow, are we then starting to see spikes? Where are those spikes coming from? Exactly. They have been in Dublin. If all the Dublin people decide to get out of Dublin and come down to, you know, the tourist areas of Killarney, will, will we see hotspots? And, and, and only, that's only time will tell. But I would be really worried about people coming from, from the States. I watch CNN mm-hmm. every single night yeah. and you'd nearly lick it off the streets in America. There's so much. Absolutely. Yeah. And these, these people had um, basically a sense of entitlement that they were, because their president said they could be here, they were going to be here, regardless of what our law was. Did you feel yourself backing away from them when you were having your conversation? Completely. (laughs) Completely, yeah. The Ireland of the welcomes. Could we do it two metres away, boys? Can you move away? (laughs) I I did stand two metres away from them while we were having this conversation. But I was just shocked at, um, and they're not the only ones that are around. I mean, like, you can pick out tourists quite easily. Mm. And there is quite a lot of tourists around and has been over, have been there for the past few weeks. And, of course, the hotels are open from yesterday. So, and they, yeah. you know, they're hoping for bed nights. But, but we're, we're hoping people, it's staycation bed nights, not people from well, America. What people were doing and, and the tourists were doing were staying in Airbnbs. Mm. A friend of uh, ours in Killarney has... Um, a B&B in a very uh, a picturesque spot and up to about maybe six weeks ago um, from last year Americans had booked when they rang to confirm their booking she said I'm sorry I can't open and the torrid of abuse she got from these people because she wasn't opening and they basically said well we're able to travel all over Europe you're spoiling our holiday so why aren't you opening for us yeah, the EU have been talking about banning travel from between America and the EU. I think they need to push that. I think they really need to bring that in because America is getting worse on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I I really think they need to. We need to have just a ban on all travel from the EU, from the USA in, into the EU. I would agree, but what is happening is they are using they are using England as a gateway. Yeah. And because they can come easily from England into 
Belfast. Yeah, the, and yeah, then come yeah. down. We yeah. have we have no hope. And we've no way of forcing them to quarantine because we're no. because we have free travel across the border. It's exactly. a it's a real worry. It's a real real worry. And it's a real worry for the for the real tourist areas within Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. All right, listen, Sinead, thank you for that. And no uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks. Um, Enjoy your programme. Thanks thank very so much. much. Uh, 1850-333-103. Mary said she was queuing in a shop this morning and she overheard a customer behind her having a chat. And the person was saying that they went out last night to uh, a restaurant and they'd booked a table. And when they got, they, uh, they were asked, do you want to order food? And they said, well, no, not really. We're actually only out for a few drinks, but we thought we had to order food. And basically they were told, no, no, you're from your grand. And they were allowed to drink away until 10.30. Mary uh, said it's, it is so unfair. She said she was absolutely fuming listening in on the uh, conversation. And she said everyone is making so many sacrifices and then you can hear that some bars and restaurants are going to flout the laws. I mean, the majority, I mean, certainly anything I saw, any of the reports from the papers today and any of the pictures in the paper today, everybody appeared to have food. I know there is a receipt doing the rounds um, that I'm assuming is... Now, I've seen the receipt and it does look very genuine. It's a receipt that's doing the rounds on social media of somebody who... Now, it had to have been a group of people went into a bar restaurant yesterday and they ordered a plate of chicken wings which was €9 and you have to spend €9 on the food and then they had 31 pints of Heineken or something 31 pints of lager now I'm I'm assuming it was over two hours not one person would drink 31 pints I'm assuming it was a group of 10 and they all had three pints each and one was able to drink faster and he had four and they had one thing of chicken wings between them. And that really isn't what the opening up of the restaurants yesterday was all about. The pubs are not allowed to reopen. If you wanted to go and have your, the tenant that wanted to go and have their three pints uh, each and their 31 pints, they should really be waiting until the 20th of uh, July. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Saturdays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Delighted to be back and there's lovely atmosphere here and it's lovely to get out again. When you're at home on the farm, that's it, like you're, you're pretty much in isolation. <laughs> anyway, so like the market is a great outlet for us and we just love it. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Goals Post Calver Gold, a trusted partner for your peace of mind across the breeding season. Only on C103. Now, with phase three of the lifting of restrictions now underway, people are being reminded that they must wear face coverings if you are using public transport. But one of those who, for health reasons, can't wear a face mask, Eilish Nikahana, is Advocacy and Research Manager with the Asthma Society. And Eilish joins me. Good morning to you, Eilish. Good morning. And you're, you're welcome. How difficult is it for an asthma sufferer to wear a face mask? Well, that really depends on the severity of asthma that they have uh, and the activity they're undertaking at the time that an asthma patient is taking at the time. So the Asthma Society, in fact, isn't suggesting that all people with asthma avoid wearing face masks. In fact, the opposite. We're saying if you can manage to wear a face mask and you don't feel that it's impeding your breathing, then absolutely go ahead and wear it because... Face masks are important for public health in general, for your family, um, for for your colleagues, 
and for the people you're inter- interacting with in public spaces. So what we're saying is in the instance where you find that your breathing is impaired, that you're starting to feel a bit panicky and a bit enclosed, that, that at that stage you should be able to take that face mask off and to not feel pressurised to wear it in public spaces. But if you're sitting on a bus, I mean, I, I can understand if somebody's exercising, if somebody maybe is going out for a jog or whatever, um, that the breathing, you know, that, that it might impede their breathing. But if you're sitting nice and relaxed on a bus, you should be OK, would, would you? Well, I suppose there are, there are so many different triggers to asthma. So the, uh, the air pollution, uh, pollen in the air, dust in the air and obviously people bouncing up and down and, um, you know, getting up and off um, seats and sitting back on seats around you. All of those things can trigger your asthma. They can exacerbate your asthma. And therefore, you'll find that even when people aren't physically active, that their breathing can be very bad. If they're in the middle of a city centre or even in a countryside where there's high pollen count, they could have a be having a particularly bad day and putting a mask over their face is only going to make them feel even more panicked, even more frightened. Yeah, we, so we had yeah about. we had a lady who contacted us last week, um, Eilish, who is an asthma sufferer and, she, and she's been trying to wear the face masks and uh, she said it brings on a panic attack. Is, is that, would that be uncommon? Well, anxiety is a, a common symptom that's reported by people with asthma and with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. We take uh, phone calls and provide supports for both sets of patients or cohorts of patients. So anxiety, as you can imagine, I mean, the very issue of of asthma and COPD is that your airwaves are tightening, they're filling with mucus and they're creating um, they're creating a problem for for you to get air in and out of your your lungs. And that's very similar in feeling to an anxiety attack or a panic attack. So so those symptoms can send uh, messages to your brain to say there's something wrong here. You know, yeah, it's yeah. not this. You're, you're in a situation of danger and of course then alongside that there can be feelings of anxiety or panic. So exactly like that um, that woman reported to you, we're getting calls in to our advice line which is a nurse-led um, advice service we provide and into our WhatsApp messaging service from people who are saying, look, I'd be delighted to wear it. I know it's good for for the public good, but every time I put them on, I start to feel like I can't breathe properly. Yeah. What do I do? And and the problem, I suppose, is as well, is that not everybody understands that in the, in the public sphere. So that's the big issue. And that's the reason we had put out the statement at the weekend in particular, is to really raise people's awareness around just because somebody's not wearing a face mask doesn't mean that they don't have your good in mind. It's simply that for them, it's not They're possible. not able. Now, has the, the government introduced exemptions to the rule of wearing a mask on public transport for exactly the people you're talking about? So what they've said is at the weekend, um, there had been discussions last week, first of all, to, to suggest that it should be made mandatory on public transport. And the Asthma Society of Ireland had already been in contact with the Minister for Health and actually with other uh, political health spokespersons to raise this issue of there being greater clarity around face masks um, the risks and uh, the risks that may be involved for people who have breathing difficulties and where those requirements would apply. So exactly in the situation, for example, of making them mandatory in a public space 
And uh, we had then heard that there were conversations happening and that the Minister for Transport at the time, uh, <clears throat> Minister Shane Ross, had recommended to make them mandatory. And so we went back to government and said, we absolutely understand that anything that's going to be effective in terms of protecting people, especially those most vulnerable, which are, you know, who are asthma patients and COPD patients, um, that, you know, we really support that sort of a measure. But nonetheless, that there has to be um, there has to be exemptions. So what the government seems to have done is to include its previous recommendations before it was made mandatory, which suggests that people uh, who have trouble breathing don't have to wear cloth face coverings. So it's very particular, but it does apply obviously to people with asthma and COPD when they're on um, uh, on public transport. And part of what our statement was intended to do as well, the public statement we made at the, the weekend, was to call for those who are enforcing those mandatory rules now to be conscious of the nuance of the rules, that it's not mandatory for everybody and that they need to treat people with dignity and respect when they're approaching them because it may be that they're not wearing them for very good reason and not to assume um, that, that people aren't wearing them because they have disregard for... Mm. For the rest of the public. Yeah, will yeah. will GPs issue letters uh, to people with asthma to explain why they can't wear a mask? So if you are trying to board a bus or a train and you get asked by an inspector or the bus driver, why aren't you wearing a mask? Can, you know, if they had a letter that they could show, would that help? I'm, I'm not sure whether or not GPs would be willing to do that. I think it'll be down to each GP. Now, I'm not suggesting they won't be willing to do it, but I, I don't think I could suggest that across the board the GPs will do that. I think that would be up to uh, each patient to have a conversation with their GP about that and see if that's something that they they would require them uh, or that they would recommend that they do. Excuse me. So oh. I think it's no harm in talking to your GP and seeing what they advise because some GPs will say to you, you can go ahead and you can wear it. There are just particular sort of... Um, uh, additional recommendations that, that they might make, like like carrying your reliever inhaler with you everywhere you go, um, to be sure that the cloth that's being used to make the face mask isn't one that uh, will further trigger asthma, doesn't have lots of um, tiny particles that, that are going to come off and, and go into your airwaves. Um, and, and also that you're using, when you're washing it, that you're using detergents that aren't going to further trigger your asthma. Pat says, hi Patricia, reface mask and asthma, simple, simple solution, use a visor. I use a visor, they're very comfortable, I can't understand what the fuss is about. Has, could an asthma, you know, the, the face visors, which are now very easy to get, all of the chemist shops uh, appear to be selling them. Is that a solution, Eilish? Sure. So again, what we're suggesting is for those who feel their breathing is impeded by covering their face, by wearing a face mask or a face covering, and we do refer to them as face coverings, that that uh, exceptions should be allowed for those people. But we are suggesting the majority of people find a way of covering their faces when they're on public transport or out in public spaces. So if they can find a way that works for them, absolutely go ahead and do that. But I think the issue is that um, different people are going to have very different experiences. So we yeah. just need to make sure um, that those who are that feel that they're really that they're they're you know when your breathing is impeded, your life is at risk. It's that serious, and it's that you know asthma and COPD patients every day will struggle with breathing. It's really frightening, um, and there is a you know a chance of fatality from asthma um, and from COPD. In fact. Um, 
one person a week dies from asthma. So what we're trying to do is ensure that people don't put themselves at risk by, by using face coverings. OK, and our asthma sufferers, Eilish, um, in the at-risk group when it comes to COVID-19, are they deemed medically vulnerable? So, yes. So uh, those who have mild to moderate asthma are considered at high risk if they are infected with COVID-19. So they're not more likely to become infected, but if they do, they may struggle to um, to recover as well as others. Uh, and then there are those who are considered what the government refers to as extremely medical, medically vulnerable, and they are people with severe asthma and severe COPD, and both of those are very specific uh, definitions, medical definitions, um, and those who have severe asthma and who have severe COPD should still be cocooning, mm-hmm. and those that are engaging with them, as you know, there's been some easing of restrictions for people who have been cocooning. So in those instances, it's those that are coming into their home, etc. that should be really, really careful. They should be wearing face masks if they can um, and and washing their hands and carrying out all of the other physical hygiene pieces that have been recommended. Yeah, to make sure that they don't bring it into the house of the exactly person right. who is cocooning. Exactly right. So have you, have you been very busy, um, Eilish, at the Asthma Society during COVID-19? We've had a huge surge in wow. the demand on our services. Uh, so we, our advice line, we ended up having to double the number of uh, nurse staff for our phone uh, callback service. Uh, we've had tens of thousands of people visiting our website during the period of COVID-19. Um, yet yeah, we've been absolutely run out the door and we're just really delighted that we've been able to adapt the organisation as a whole, really, because we've we've had to move staff from one function to another in order to be able to support people through this period. And we're delighted to do it. You well know? done, well done. Um, we, we worked very closely with the HSC to develop the first um, frequently asked questions resource for asthma and COPD patients because people were really concerned about there being general information out there but not being information specific to, to their disease. So we worked really closely with the HSE to do that and uh, and we've been liaising very closely with the HSE and the Department of Health and other departments around issues that affect people with asthma and COPD. Okay, and if people need to contact the Asthma Society, what's your phone line? So our advice line, which again is a respiratory specialist nurse-led callback service, our advice line is one 800 And alternatively, we have a WhatsApp messaging service. So you can message WhatsApp yeah. at 086-059-0132. And you'll also be speaking again to a specialist nurse who will be able to advise you on your concerns. Brilliant, brilliant. Listen, stay safe, um, Eilish. And thanks a million for joining us on the programme. Thanks for having us. Good Patricia. morning Take to care. you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is um, Eilish uh, Ni Kahina, who is with the Asthma Society Advocacy and Research Manager. Just on face masks, William says, this is the stat that I gave earlier. The Department of Health, you know, they do these weekly uh, 
surveys where they ask people who's wearing face masks, who's not, and they ask people their attitudes uh, to the COVID-19. And this week it came out that 45% of people, I think, said that they are currently wearing face masks. And it was up from 41% last week. Well, William says, I don't believe that 41 or 45% of people are wearing face masks. When I read it first, I thought they'd left the decimal point out between the four and the one. I see very few people out and about wearing face masks. I include people of various professions, ages, etc. In this, I find that people who wear them spend the whole time adjusting them and fixing them and they often have their noses hanging out. They have no idea what they're doing by wearing these face masks. They then claim to be the saints for wearing them and look down on others who don't wear them. They simply turn people off wearing face masks. I visited two similar premises last Friday. One wore masks and one didn't. The one that wore then the staff touched their faces several times in the space for a few minutes while the place where they weren't wear, wearing them I didn't see anybody touching their face and that's William and Fomoy and it is the experts are constantly talking about people wearing face masks that there's a right and a wrong way to wear face masks and it's been the argument as to why they, they're slow to make it mandatory because people are at them and at their faces the whole time and you're actually putting yourself the person wearing the mask is actually putting themselves in more danger by constantly touching their face and by the way commute who refuse to wear face coverings on public transport will be hit with fines in the coming weeks. The transport chiefs are investigating ways to increase the use of face masks on public transport. It did become mandatory uh, yesterday, uh, but this uh, week passengers are going to be encouraged to wear them, but enforcement will increase in the coming coming weeks because uh, regulations need to be introduced and detailed regulations are being prepared by government departments at at, uh, present and expected that that they'll be in place this week. But at the moment, it's just bus drivers and train inspectors encouraging people to wear the mask. They are mandatory, but within the coming weeks, you could be fined if you don't have your mask uh, on. And I know the National Bus and Rail uh, Union, they say that bus drivers were reporting a very low take-up in the mandatory policy of the wearing of the face masks yesterday. And I heard, I read online a couple of bus drivers saying that they reckoned if 10% of people were wearing masks yesterday on the first day it was compulsory uh, we were doing they were doing well and of course capacity on public transport has been increased this week from 20% to 50% so that means if you are going on a train or a bus you're going to be close in closer contact to somebody so and you could be sitting for anything from an hour to two hours to three hours depending on where your bus journey is you need to wear a face mask we're now in phase three of the government's roadmap to easing restrictions. As part of this phase, we will be able to have larger social gatherings. Indoor gatherings of up to 50 people, when conducted in line with public health advice, are permissible. Outdoor gatherings of up to 200 people, when conducted in line with public health advice, are permissible. For the over 70s or medically vulnerable, please use your judgment to decide how best to apply the following health guidance. Stay at home as much as you can. Maintain social distancing with visitors and use face coverings. Use the time specially allotted for shopping. Use face coverings when attending shops or busy public areas. Stay safe and stay up to date with all COVID-19 information at c103.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. On commuters being told the mandatory nature of wearing face masks if you're public 
if you're travelling on public transport. Two separate, actually three separate texts in from listeners uh, saying on two buses yesterday, none of the drivers were wearing masks. And somebody else says I was on two different buses yesterday. Neither of the drivers were wearing masks. We're just going to check uh, with uh, Bus Aaron uh, about uh, when there's people travelling on a bus must wear a mask but does it, is, it, is it not a mandatory for the bus drivers? We'll check we're just going to check that out and we're also checking out for somebody who says, hi, I'm just wondering if I travel on the train from Cork to Dublin I always like to have a cuppa. Would I be allowed to take off my mask? Thinking he says uh, Catherine, well I imagine yeah, you've no other way of drinking your cuppa without removing your mask but be careful about how you put on and off your mask but we're also just going to check with Irish Rail the trolley service and the dining carriage are they still available on uh, trains John Paul is pointing to me so he obviously has onboard catering in right there and regrets to inform customers that due to commercial issues arriving with COVID-19 the catering uh, providers are suspending operations on all of their services as a result catering services are not available on any of the services until further notice okay now that's not to say that Catherine's not going to bring her own cup of coffee on board board with her. Uh, so I'm assuming if you bring your own cup of coffee, you'll be allowed to take your mask off while you're drinking your coffee, uh, Catherine, but you're going to need to pop it back on immediately. And thank you to Anne who got back to us about her travel insurance. This came up last week on the programme when we were talking about car insurance companies and a good a lot of car insurance companies have been giving a kind of a, a gesture back to their customers because they realised there was less traffic on the road, there was less accidents. Some people weren't even driving uh, their cars at all and a lot of people got, I know the company I was with, for example, we got, I think it was 30 euro all for one uh, vouchers. Others, uh, a lot of issuing vouchers. Others issued checks and cash back to people as well. But Anne got onto us because she has an annual travel insurance policy and she says I'm not going to be travelling anywhere this year. She had hoped to be doing three overseas journeys but she said obviously with COVID-19 she's not leaving the country and she's certainly taking Tony Houlihan's uh, advice and will be staycationing this year. So she was wondering she had only, I think it was back in, was it January she had taken her premium out paid for her travel insurance for the year. Anyway, she got back onto the company which was Insure and Go and I said to her, let us know how you get on even though my gut instinct says you're not going to get any money back from it and they've come back to her and said no, they're not refunding any money. The only way they would refund money if in the cancellation period you cancelled, you get a refund uh, then. So basically she has paid for her annual travel insurance for the year and it is of absolutely no use uh, to her. I did liken it Anne last week when you suggested it to somebody going back to their car insurance company and saying my car has been locked up for three months can I have three months of my premium back and you'd have no chance there at all on that so that it, it doesn't surprise me it's annoying it's absolutely annoying but it doesn't surprise me that they're not giving any kind of refunds thank you for bringing us up to date with that update 1850 now the NCBI charity shop in McCroom is trying to trace the person who donated a jewellery box to the shop and to help them out, I'm joined by the manager of the NCBI charity shop, and that's uh, Mary Coley, uh, who joins me. Good morning to you, Mary. Hi. Uh, you're welcome to the programme. I suppose, can you start? And we will post it up on our Facebook page in a couple of minutes. But will you, will you describe the jewellery box to us? Yeah, it's, um, it's almost like, you know, it's hard to explain now, but it is actually up on our Facebook page. But it's got like two glass columns, two sides, columns, glass sides to it. Um, where you know you can kind of hang your chains and they kind of have a revolving, a revolving bit on it. I don't yeah. know if you know the ones I mean. And I then d- the centre bit looks like it's got little drawers that pull out. Yeah, and it's but wooden. One of those drawers, 
Yeah, and one of those drawers, when you pull it out, it actually has a centerpiece where you can keep a load of rings. Okay. So, and it also has a top lifting off it as well. Yeah, so a standard... Um, put other bits and pieces. Yeah, yeah they were yeah. very popular a few years ago. I don't, I don't know how yes, popular they absolutely. are today, but they certainly yeah. were very, very popular. And it was in... Right. I saw the picture. It looked like it was in great nick, in great condition. Yeah. So it arrived into your uh, shop. Was, was it handed in by somebody into your shop? It was. You see what's happening at the minute because of COVID. Any time a donation comes, we have an area where we actually put the. We ask the customers just to pop the stuff there because we then have to glove up and bag the st- bag the items, and then we have seventy two hours before we can touch them. Okay. You know, before we can actually process process them. So what was happening is during the day, obviously people are putting stuff in this area, and I do remember. I, I'm I'm fairly sure it was a lady that came to me and said. I'm just, there's some jewellery in here. I'm just going to leave this here. And I do remember the jewellery box sitting on top and thinking, I hope that doesn't fall. Okay. No, I can't remember. I can't remember. I can't remember the lady. But anyway, and because of that, we actually put it in, in another bag and, you know, yeah. made it safer and stuff like that where it was. And then what happened then, obviously, the 72 hours later, um, I was in the back and I was processing it. And, you know, you have to sanitize it and stuff like that. And I went inside and there was a couple of, you know, costume pieces of jewellery. But when I, you know, gave it its final clean and I was putting it out, it was still, there was still a noise inside. So um, it was clear that there was something had fallen down the back inside. The drawers, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And so I don't want to obviously give too much detail. Please don't. Is, yeah, please don't. Right. Yeah. But obviously, um, I kind of circled around a bit and got in there and um, got it out. And I, I'm, I'm, I would say I'm 99.9% sure that, that they didn't mean to donate it because it, it's, you know... It's a good piece of jewellery. Yeah, it's and a good value. And it, it's also and very, older, it's also very pop, possible that the person lo- thought they lost this piece of jewellery and no, it, it could have been in the back of that jewellery box for a number of years and you know when you go look oh, for something yeah. and you think you've yeah. lost it yeah and they probably don't even in some cases they probably don't even know they've lost it you yeah, know that kind of yeah. thing you go looking for it but yeah and I mean it's an older piece I say older I'm not talking vintage but you know it's no. not this year's Style, do you know what I mean? Okay, but, but it's yeah. it's an expensive piece of jewelry that you want to you want yes. to get back to the yeah, owner now. Definitely. You yeah. uh, when you say you think it might have been that woman saying there's jewelry in that that it might it might be one and the same. Are we are we talking just last week or the week before? No, we're talking about. Hang on, now I put it. I did it last week, so it would have been the week before. Okay, the week before the week before yeah. last. So somebody yes. who went into the NCBI charity shop in Bacroom donated items, in particular a jewellery box. They may have left yes. other items as well. They can, did, yeah. can you please come back in to the charity shop and identify yourself to to to, to, to your good self? Okay. Um, and, and the box has, has been since sold on, I believe, has it? Yeah, the box is sold on. Um, but obviously we took a picture of it to identify it and stuff like that. But um, yeah, that's gone. It's now the happy owner. Good, <laughs> good. Happy owner. Does that yeah. happen often that you find something in a, you know, the pocket of a jacket or the pocket of a pair of trousers, something that was left behind? Yeah, well, I mean, you'd find, I mean, nothing of this kind of, you know, um, value. I mean, you'd often put your hand in the pocket and find money or you'd find, <laughs> you know, photos, um, things like that. No, not a significant amount of money. We're talking a little bit, you know, change and yeah. stuff like that. But um, I 
sound dentures as well in someone's pocket before, <laughs> but you know, which is obviously a bit of a, a bit of a problem. But anyway, um, did you? I, were you able to reunite them? No, 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 we didn't. I didn't really let them hang around too long. To be fair, but they'd come from the warehouse anyway. So was okay. not, not this wasn't here in Ireland. Now this okay. is in the UK. So yeah, but okay. that was okay. That was the, the most <laughs> the most unusual find. Okay, all right. Well, now you've right, yeah. and you've posted a photograph of the jewellery box just to try and remind the the person who dropped it in up on your Facebook page and you, you you got a good good reaction a lot of people sharing it I know I didn't realize actually so many people would but you know we're quite a, a close community I think down in McCroom and they've got a very good network and I think I'm, I I can't believe that somebody hasn't come in with it actually and it's probably somebody who just doesn't go on social media you know yeah that's possible and that's why it's yeah, which you doing this is hopefully yeah, going to get them yeah. out. Yeah, and you know, we'd love to because this person obviously is a very kind lady who wanted to do her bit for the NCBI, donate items to the charity shop and look, we've got something that you've lost and and you may have lost yeah. it. It could be many years ago and it would be great to, uh, to get it back. How is the shop going since reopening, Mary? Actually, very well. Yeah, we've had to obviously clear, we, we can't do toys and furniture and stuff like we used to do before okay. um, because with the COVID restrictions, we actually have to try and minimise um, what we have on the shop floor in, in respect of, you know, allowing customers to have their two metres of space. But actually, it's doing really well. I think we were a bit worried. Personally, I was a bit worried, you know, how it would, you know, how it would work afterwards. But it's actually doing very well. You know, we've got, we've had lots of people in. And, you know, it, from, from our point of view, you know, we have the hour in the morning where we have to sanitise the shop. And then in the evening, we do similar. And then, you know, th- throughout the day, you know, we do the sanitising of the handles and, you know, the general areas where people are. And then, as I say, in the morning and at night, we give, you know, every every the whole area gets um, sanitised as well. You know, by that we mean, you know, um, wiping down surfaces and obviously washing floors, which you would have done before anyway, but this is more... It's an know, extra layer. There's an extra, extra layer, layer of cleaning, yeah. uh, for sure. But people are back supporting the charity shop. They are, absolutely. I think you can see that there's a generation that are still missing. They're not coming out, which would have been a good, um, a good portion of our, you know, our support. And I can absolutely understand that. But, you know, it's, it's, it, we're doing well, actually. You know, we can always do better. I know, so. I know, I yeah, know. Yeah, but we're doing well, actually. It's because good when, when, out. when everything was starting to reopen, I think there wasn't a day went by that we weren't getting calls and texts in from people saying, when are the charity shops opening? When are the charity yeah. shops opening? There's a great love and support for charity shops. There is, definitely. And, you know, it's straight across the board as well. You know, there used to be once upon a time, it was only, you know, a certain type of person would go to a shop but you know you've got ba- you've got kids you've got adults you know middle aged and older you know it, it's brilliant really and great, and I mean, great bargains have been great bargains awesome. to be had yeah. I'm actually I'm actually up in Cork at the minute sorting through some um, you know we've had inundated with donations Good. so we've, we've got two units above in Cork and I'm actually sorting through some stuff here and it's absolutely phenomenal some of the stuff you just think mother of God it's just amazing So be- such beautiful stuff it's crazy like. Yeah, and I think during lockdown, uh, a lot of people, Mary, use the opportunity to have a good declutter. And you'd Absolutely. be amazed at, we all have things in our wardrobe and yeah. in our homes that we never, we might we might have bought, we might have got as presents. I mean, I was looking on your Facebook page, some of your, your photographs that you, you, you've put up uh, over the years. I mean, people donate brand new items, never used. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we get... Now, like, I've just opened the bag there now and it's full of um, uh, 
uh, I'm allowed to say who they're from, the shop, like. Go on, but yeah. they're from on, Boohoo and Misguided and yeah, stuff like yeah. this, you know, online. And it's, they've all got assholes, they've all got their tags on them. <laughs> because, of course, there's a generation that buy things and then when they don't fit, they don't bother sending them back. That's it. And it's That's just it. amazing, yeah. it really is. And you will yeah. find customers for all of those items, I guarantee Absolutely you that. Absolutely happy days. We're very happy with those. Thank you. Okay, listen, the best of luck uh, at all of the NCBI charity shops. But the call out again, uh, it was the NCBI charity shop in McCroom. Where in McCroom are you, Mary? We're actually on the main street. On the main street. To, yeah, on the main street. Okay. Yeah. So if somebody recently, in the last couple of weeks, uh, popped in a jewellery box, could you call back in, please, and make yourself known to a member of staff? Thank Listen, you so uh, Mary, thank you and continued good luck. You do fantastic work at the NCBI. Thank you very uh, continue much. good luck with Alan. Thanks for joining us. Good, no problem. Good Thank morning you. to you. Bye bye, Mary Coley there, shop manager, NCBI charity shop in McCroom. Rose at Harris Jack, there's another great charity shop in Dunmanway, says that we reopened on June the 8th and it's great as people continue to support our charity shop and people are understanding of the new measures. If we continue doing the right things, this will work uh, how right you are thank you for that uh, Rose we are going to be talking about restaurants opening up and actually I saw um, the gang at Griffin's have been on say morning Patricia from Granny Griffin Margaret and all the team in Griffin's restaurant we are delighted to welcome back our customers back through our doors yesterday Griffin's has changed their opening hours they're now Monday to Saturday they've opted to close on Sunday but they're lucky that they have so much space at Griffin's Garden Centre Margaret and the team have worked hard and they've actually extended the outdoor eating area that's clever and they've made it into an all weather covered area so there's lots of space for everyone to be safe while enjoying Granny Griffin's homemade baked uh, treats Hi to the gang at uh, Griffin's Garden Centre. 1850 333 lines open. C103 Jobs Classic windows in Kilomney. They've got a vacancy for experienced window fitters Uh, While teleporter driver is required in the Mallow area, you need to have a valid safe pass and manual handling. Square Kitchen in Dunmanway, they've got a vacancy for a full-time cafe chef. While industrial plumbers are required in the Clonakilty area, all applicants must be fully qualified and hold a valid trade certificate. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Saturdays at 10am and Wednesdays at 10pm. Delighted to be back and there's lovely atmosphere here and it's lovely to get out again. When you're at home on the farm, that's it, like you're, you're pretty much in isolation <laughs> anyway. So like the market is a great outlet for us and we just love it. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Goals Post Calver Gold, a trusted partner for your peace of mind across the breeding season. Only on C103. Following 15 weeks of closure, restaurants, cafes and pubs that serve food were finally allowed to reopen yesterday to find out how day one went and what lessons can we learn about the lockdown. I'm joined by Declan Corbett of the Corbett Court Restaurants in uh, Charleville and in Formoy. Good morning to you, Declan. Uh, morning, Trisha. I'm, I'm very well. Day one under your belt. How did it all go? Yeah, it was very good, Trisha. We were a lot busier than we thought, you know. In both, Corbett Court in Kilworth and and for and uh, Belly Hay, it was it was very busy. Yeah, we were surprised how busy it was. Just and people were glad to get out. You know. Yeah, but, I th- but, yeah. But, there was that sense. To, what we're trying to do, Trisha, is we're trying to make pe- people feel relaxed. You know, people are, at this moment are sick and tired of this COVID talk and all that. You know, 
So we want to, we want to just get away from that because just giving an example, and I come back on to the restaurant then in one second. I passed up to to town this morning and I saw three people walking up the street wearing masks. Now to look nothing short is silly in my opinion. You know, like why would you wear a mask outside? So lots of people at, the, at this moment they want to just get back to, to reality. So what now what we are doing is we're going to comply with all the regulations to make sure everything is as it should be. But we're not going to go overboard. Now what we done yesterday was. We served the same magic food as we always did. We give super service. We made people feel, you know, this was an enjoyable vi- visit, a good experience, and make them feel welcome. Now, I know on some of the restaurants they're saying bookings only. Now, we're not doing that. If somebody comes to our door, we take them in right away, put them sit- sitting down, and don't make any big deal of it. And I read a paper there last Saturday, and uh, they've done an interview, the paper, with six different restaurants around the country. And what the six restaurants were saying, they're all saying similar bookings only and if somebody comes to the door they'll tell them to go to the car and wait 20 minutes and they'll text them or do they want to go for a walk around the block Trisha if I went to a restaurant in the morning and I was told to sit out in the car but like a text I'd sit in the car but I'd drive off and I'd never go into that restaurant again so what we want to do is we want people that come to the door take them straight away as always but, but what know, about the two metre social distancing? Is, the, is that oh, affecting? Yeah. We, we, we're fully compliant there, Tricia. Okay. We, we probably have an advantage. Say in the Harbour Court in Bally here, we always had 340 seats, I think, out. Yeah. We're down to 160 now. Yeah, now we're yeah. We're down to less than half. But still, it's, it, yeah, but you, yeah, that's a big restaurant, so you can accommodate people just arriving at your door. We can't. Smaller yeah. restaurants couldn't. Wouldn't have a hope. No, they're at a disadvantage. And like the government has been absolutely no help. We have got no money whatsoever. And the pubs have been very badly treated as well, you know. Uh, we all have been very badly treated. We've got no help whatsoever. We're still 13.5% of that. You heard about this grant, Tricia, but this grant yeah. was on you. If this grant was a farce, I got a phone call from a person in the county council office last week saying, and it was 6 o'clock in the evening, yeah, you're entitled to a grant. Oh, I said, that's great. Yeah, but would you please, on return, send us in a cheque for your, your rates? Mm. But that's completely uh, defeats yeah, the whole problem. I, if you take I, it Northern I, Ireland, Tricia, mm. every, every small business is getting £25,000 and they're allowed the rates for one year free rates. We're getting no chance like that. And I said the publicans, I really feel sorry for them. They're getting a very bad deal as well. Yeah, I have a, a family member who's a very small business and he reopened and he got the grant for 2500 was what it was. And he said the following day the rates came in for 2200 Exactly. One, one cancelled out the other yeah. um, uh, straight away. Have you had to increase prices to cover no, the cost? Sure. Well, no, What we're okay. actually doing is in the, in the Corbett Court and Belly here, we're actually dropping the price of our lunch there. From, we, we, had, we were charging 11.50. We're now charging 10 euros. And down the top of that, what we're doing is if we're given a loyalty card and if a customer comes in seven times, their eighth meal is free. You know, so if anything, we're dropping the prices. Okay. But as well as that, then we feel in the restaurant industry now, there's probably a big market for young people at the moment because there's no discos, there's no nightclubs. So what we're doing in the Bellier restaurant again, we, we got in a mixologist last week to help us design a complete cocktail list. So we're hoping to get in. Um, we hope to get in young people but then again we're not making any big deal now in our restaurant if someone wants to win for a cup of coffee to a shower or a dessert you know they're just as welcome as somebody coming in spending 50 quid you know yeah yeah well, yeah, because you are a cafe slash restaurant slash bar you, you kind of cover it all don't we're you really we do we yeah, do yeah. you have to know you, Declan you're critical of Dr Tony Houlihan and Neffet and the whole way that the pandemic has oh, been yeah, handled Trisha. why if, if this was handled properly Trisha 
the restaurants, the shops, the boutiques, the hairdressers, none of us will have to close, right? Now, as you know, Tony Holderan, he's, he's chairing the, the National Public Health Emergency Team, right? Yeah. I think Tony Holderan is a pure shambles. I think he's making a complete bags of it. And i just tell you why. Now, take it last February. Like, the dogs in the street knew uh, planes should not be allowed to come in and go out to Italy. And what was Tony Holderan doing? He was asleep at the wheel. He allowed all this to happen. And then it, it even gets better. Like, the, the, he done one good thing. He cancelled the match between, or he, he arranged to cancel it, between the, the rugby match between Ireland and France. Or Ireland, Ireland and Italy, yeah. yeah. And what happens? He lets in, he let in 3,000 people from Italy for a weekend into Temple Bar. And they're spreading the virus all over the country. But he's he done worse than that. Then, as I said, when everybody knew it, it was so obvious. He, he allowed, he allowed 20,000 Irish people to go to Chelsea. And then they bring back the virus. And it was, it was so obvious, Tricia, I know a company in Cork and two of their employees, two weeks before Cheltenham, said that they were going to Cheltenham. But the manager calls them into the office and he said, lads, if you're going to Cheltenham, he said, you have to isolate for two weeks. So when people on the ground knew it, so I am absolutely, think, I, I, I can't believe it. But I, I, I mean, I'm not here to defend Tony Hulham. Tony Hulham will say all he can do is recommend it's the government are the ones that decide who comes in and out of the country. And it was, yeah, the go- it was up to the government to say, we're going to ban all flights. We're going to stop all the flights. Tony Julian can only recommend. Yeah, but Tricia, Leo and um, Simon Harris made it very clear at an early stage they were totally dependent on, on advice from Tony Hulian. They made that very clear many times. So, uh, you know, what did Tony Hulian do? I reckon if, if Tony Hulian was managing it properly, there'd be no place need to close we wouldn't be 30 billion in debt today. No, I can't understand for the life of me. It's beggar's belief why Leo and Harris didn't get rid of Holden at an early stage. And I just hope, Tricia, that when Leon Martin goes up to Dublin today, that he lets a roar at Tony Holden and says, Holden, come into my office now and you sit down and then tell him what he has done to this country and what he has cost us 30 billion. But now, now we're starting to reopen the country and there's nervousness about reopening the country and bringing in all of the tourists. But your Tricia, the, the, the horse has left the stable and now he's putting the, 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 the bolt on the door. It's too late, you know. So we, we won't have tourists coming into the country. We just won't have them. And, and I, I, I more so... But I he's the this. same man is saying to people, don't leave the country. He's saying, stay here in Ireland. Don't go out. Don't embark on foreign travel. Surely that's good advice. That is good advice, Trisha, and, and I would like to see no English uh, visitors, and, and we, we love the English, and they're brilliant, uh, coming in at the moment, because I was speaking to a woman in Wales on the phone last week, and she told me it's an awful lot worse to virus in England, and, and she's from Wales, than we're being, that's been reported. And look at so, America, look what's happening in yeah, America. So yeah. I think, Trisha, like, if, say, the flights now, there should be no flights allowed in, really, only from green country, you know, and there's very few of them. Greece is one, Canary Islands is one. But if, if the flight structure was stopped in early February, we'd have absolutely no problem, you know, whatsoever. And we, we'd never have to close. And who I could say was boutiques and, you know, everybody. They're all struggling over it. And can, and, and now that we've reopened. Yeah. Do we now need to, need to, need to, I mean, I know you, you were critical of the people going down the, the street wearing face masks. Surely now it's more important than ever. We have the virus suppressed is to keep it suppressed. It was actually Tricia, but we cannot go overboard, right? If you take it last Sunday, uh, two people in Ireland got the coronavirus. If you calculate that, there's five million people in Ireland. Your chances of getting the virus at the moment, with figures like that, is two and a half million to one. 
you'd have a better chance of winning the lotto. So what I would also say, Trish, and I won't say which shop or which town, I was passing a particular town yesterday, and I saw three people queuing up outside the boutique, right? Mm. And there was more signs on the window, don't do this, don't touch that, don't do that. You know, like the, the boutiques and everybody else would want to wake up and lighten up a bit as well to get in the business, because what they're going to do is, Trisha, they're going to force people more to buy online. And if you look at it, like we probably, between Charleville, Mitchestown, Fermoy and Mallow, we probably have the best boutiques in the country. I think that has been proven over the last four years, because uh, at all race meetings, the best dressed lady competition, one of them towns, one of the boutiques, always sold the winning dress or rig out. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I would say to, to I would say to, to customers, you know, I, many customers come in here for mothers of the bride rig out and they be on the way to Kildare Village. And I would say to them, listen, so, you know, we're the best boutiques yeah, in the yeah, country. Yeah, Why yeah, I, to, I to, certainly would agree, would, would agree with you on that. But I think, Declan, if we don't, we, we have suppressed the virus in this country. Leaving out how it came in, and and they got they got it wrong at the start, and they shouldn't. You're absolutely right about Cheltenham. You're absolutely right about leaving the Italians, and then it arrived in our shores, and then it spread like wildfire. And then lockdown had to happen because we had to suppress it, and we've done more than suppress it. You know, in some counties, we've nearly eliminated it. But now we have to maintain that to keep it. We're now, I think, in the really dangerous phase. When you look at what's happened in other countries, when they start open up, if we open up too fast and if we open up and don't abide by the rules, are we in danger of us going going backwards? Possibly, Tricia. But I think people know. I think the Irish people are very good. I, I really do. Because this woman I spoke to in Wales said to me, listen, the English people hadn't a clue how to manage this. You know, they're all shaking hands as ever. I, I, that, that was news to me. If you look at the Irish people at the moment, even if, if you see them out in the street or a park, they're actually standing two, two metres apart, you know. So I think that won't happen because I think we're very good. And I think households have a good management system. In my house now, I, I have a little sanitising system as you come inside my door and I make the whole family wash their hands before they come in, come in and before they leave. You know, so I think yeah. most people are doing similar things. Yeah, like yeah, so I, yeah. I, I don't know what worries there, Trisha. I, I really wouldn't. Okay, I, I can see calls coming in and uh, it's a, a mixture. Somebody, John says, Patricia, uh, that gentleman, Declan Corbett, that you're talking to is right. They let the virus in. It's too late once it started. Somebody else says, I don't like what Declan is saying. He, he's coming across as selfish. It's more scary than that. Um, Vincent in Newmarket said, three cheers for Declan Corbett and what's he saying it's those that came from Italy and Cheltenham that were the backbone of our problems with COVID-19 there was a lot of good work done since then but they took the eye off the ball and Colm and Butterfield is fuming with you for blaming Tony Houlihan he said he's not responsible for the decisions it's the government is the one you should be angry with all Tony can do is make the recommendations it's up to the government to enforce it yeah, I just, I just couldn't agree I'm absolutely fuming with Tony Houlihan I'm absolutely fuming and you know Trish what makes me laugh I, I saw pictures in the radio, uh, television of the day of people doing murals of, of uh, Tony Houlihan. Yeah. You know, big hero. He a hero. I'll tell you one thing. If I was Leo Varadkar, I'd that guy out the door. In, in, <laughs> well, in a, lot, a lot of people would disagree with you because a lot of people think we wouldn't be where we are today with the virus suppressed without Tony Houlihan. Can I just on another topic, because the last time I think I spoke to no you was, was a couple of years ago when you were calling for Transport Infrastructure Ireland to scrap the Limerick to Cork motorway and reroute it through the Fomoy, uh, M- uh, Mitchestown route instead. Now, yeah. we know you didn't win on that. Cork to Limerick seems to be the preferred motorway but we now have the Greens the Greens in fairness at the time were in favour of your suggestion we're getting mixed messages from the Greens we have the Greens in power what's your view on the motorway will it go ahead? 
I think this motor where the M20 Trisha was always a mad idea. It, make, it absolutely makes no sense. Like, it's a no-brainer to run a motorway from Mitchellstown to Limerick. And I'll just give you, I'll explain to you why. We would kill four buds with the one shot doing that. Is it, now, I've, I've spoken to engineers about it. It's the very same distance from Cork to Limerick if you go through Mitchellstown to Limerick. It's the very same distance, the very same time. We badly, in Fermi and Mitchellstown, need a better road to Limerick. The road we have is very bad. So we need that improved. Now, what would, that would do, Trisha, as well. It would also service the, the Waterford traffic and it would service the Tipperary traffic. That's two more pluses. That would mean, then, if, if that was done, now, I, I have wrote to the Green Party uh, oh, three years ago, and this is what I suggested, I'm suggesting again today, I just hope Eamon Ryan has common sense to scrap the M20 motorway because it's a pure mad idea and it should never have gone to planning. This is what I suggested to Eamon Ryan, that the, the motorway from Mitchellstown to Limerick was going to cost, the engineer told me, between four and 500 metres. If you go with the motorway, the M20, it's going to cost 1.2 billion at least, right? So we'd have what, 700 million to spare there. Now, what I suggested at the time was there'd be 200 million spent on the N20 at the moment. Make it a carriageway for a lot of the way. And certainly it is, there's no doubt about it, it is dangerous because there's, there's no hard shoulders. So what I also said to, to, to the Green Party at the time, uh, I would suggest that we make a, a cycle lane all the way from Cork to Galway. Now, that would be massive, in my opinion, because like we have an awful lot to offer in tourists. You know, the belly horrors, everything. So you could have a big business in Charleville then with a camping site dealing with bicycles and, you know, renting out bicycles in the same in Bunratty. So I think... I think that's and the Greens, the Greens will love you for that suggestion, for sure. Yeah, so I, I would... And I'm going to be writing to Eamon Ryan in the next two weeks. Uh, OK, let, 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 let us know when you get a reply from him. Bernie Amala wants to know, has, De- has Declan got his staff wearing face masks when serving customers? You, we, we, have, we have everything. We're complying fully with, with regulations. Are they wearing face masks? Well, we're compliant, as I said, Trisha, okay. wearing regular, we're compliant fully. So, the, so they're, not, they're wearing face masks? Yes. Are they wearing visors? Yeah, we're Isn't it? It's the visors. We're, we're doing everything we're, okay. we're, we're, we're supposed to. Okay, and a number of people saying, well done to uh, Declan, he's the only man speaking sense. Okay, listen, Declan, we'll let you get back to it. Um, and uh, thanks a million for joining us and talking to us on the programme this thanks, morning. Trisha. Be sure and hop in for a bed and butter pudding someday. Well, thanks, <laughs> well indeed. God bless. Thanks, Take care. That is Declan Corbett of the Corbett Court restaurants in Kilworth and in Valley Hay. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text to WhatsApp 0862 to 103103 Due to COVID-19 the big summer concerts won't be played But the biggest stars stars will play, 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 play at the Back Garden Festival It's our new online station that only plays songs you should have heard live this summer <laughs> Lewis Capaldi Dermot Kennedy Secret The Script The Killers Gavin James and more the Back Garden Festival. The biggest stars will play. Play, play, play. All summer long. All summer long. With Harvey Norman, your specialists in sound this summer. To listen, download the C103 phone app. Or go to c103.ie.
Well, I can see people agreeing with uh, Declan Corbett of the Corbett Court restaurants. I can also see people disagreeing uh, with them. Bernie says, can I say thank you to Dr. Tony Houlihan for all he has uh, done and he continues to do. He is doing a great uh, job. Uh, someone else says, Tony Houlihan has done a fantastic job. And if those three people felt safer walking down the street in public, who is Declan Corbett to criticise them? And a lot of people saying Tony Houlihan doing fantastic work. Now, residents of Riverbank in Belgooli are expressing their anger and frustration at the smells coming from the wastewater treatment plant in their estate. One of the res- res- residents joins me to explain what is going on and that's uh, Elaine Tobin. Good morning to you, Elaine. Morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. Can you describe the smell and, and outline how bad does it get at times? Um, well, we've had the, this issue. It's ongoing for the last um, number of years. Um, initially, the treatment plant was set up on a temporary basis to service the houses of our estate, which is over 47 houses, on a temporary basis going back 2003, 2004. Um, but as the, I suppose, as things changed in the preceding years, um, estates grew up um, around um, our area, and now our wastewater treatment plant services over 250 houses. So you can imagine the the, the smells are are fairly toxic. So it's um, a constant sewerage smell, is it? Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. And it's not, it's not, it doesn't occur on a particular day or a particular time. It's constant. It doesn't matter if it's summer, winter, um, autumn or spring, um, whether it's a Saturday or um, a Thursday morning, noon and night. It, it's fairly bad. And you say when the 47 houses, uh, when this treatment plant was built for the 47 houses, that was fine. Everything, you didn't have a problem with the smell. But it's the fact that this treatment plant is under pressure. Absolutely. We've spoke to, you know, local um, local engineers, we spoke to local politicians, senators, um, representatives from Cork County Council, and their all their message is the exact same. It's not fit for purpose, it's over capacity, it's not maintained, it looks like a graveyard um with overgrown trees um and stuff like that. Um and it's I suppose essentially it's too close to um a residential properties. Um and also in most recently it's non compliant with license limits. So every official that we've had to come out to inspect um the wastewater treatment plant, everyone is of the same opinion that it's not fit for purpose, um, except Irish Water. Oh, and it's it's the resp- it's upper Irish Water operated. It's their responsibility. What? Irish Water took it over in 2014. Okay, what response have you had from Irish Water? Um, we've logged over 60 complaints in the last 18 months. Okay. We we make the complaint. They send local engineers out to um, desludge it, which is removing solids um, from the oh. plant. They clean the um, they clean the pipes. Um, and they come back to us and say everything's fine, there's nothing wrong on their end but yet within hours not days, weeks, within hours of the work being done the smells are back. And it's, so it's, that's it's the really only, bad. when they do the desludging you get a couple of hours respite and then you're back to square one. Barely, barely, barely. a couple of hours it makes, it makes no difference like we can't enjoy our outdoor spaces, our kids can't play on the green area my daughter there was going over to um, her friend's house recently and had to cover her face and nose with the smells that was empty reaching going across the green. It's, it's horrendous. And I know when our news team, uh, Fiona Corcoran, who went out and, and witnessed the, and, uh, the smells herself, and when she contacted um, Irish Water, uh, just even sort of, I, I was saying, could we even get a timeline of when they expect to do the work? But they're not even willing to give a timeline on when an upgrade of the treatment plant will take place. There is no immediate plans 
Like I got a report there recently that there is no immediate plans for any um, capital expenditure for the, the wastewater treatment plant um, before 2021. And I suppose that's why we're 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 talking to to the likes of yourselves, and we're very grateful for the coverage. Um, the residents of Riverbank in Belgooley are at or within. Um, we don't know, um, you know, how to I suppose how to make some progress, um, because our living conditions are are horrendous. As I mentioned, um, especially during during COVID and lockdown, we couldn't escape with, escape from it. We had all our windows and doors closed. And the summertime, those kind of smells have a tendency to be just worse on, on a warm, hot, sun, a sunny day. Now, I know some of our local TDs are picking up on the fact that we're discussing it on the programme uh, today. I've had an email in from Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan to say, I visited uh, Belgooli last week, met with the residents. The smell is overpowering, is what he says. It worsens in the summer. I cannot imagine what it is like to put up with it on a daily basis. The residents have put up with the poorly maintained and foul smelling plant on their doorstep for almost a decade. This has been ignored for too long. It cannot go on. He said, I'll do everything I can to ensure Irish Water intervenes to fix and upgrade the plant. And that's from Deputy uh, Christopher Sullivan, Fianna Fáil, now in power. And then Deputy uh, Holly Carnes uh, tweeted us this morning saying, incredibly disappointing that the people of Be- Belgooli have had to continue to go to such lengths to get a resolution to this issue. We are still doing everything we can, but also coming across similar issues elsewhere in West Cork it cannot go uh, on and that's a tweet from Deputy Holly uh, Kearns and um, I mean and you've done your bit in that you've even commissioned your own independent engineers report so it's not that you're just sitting there thinking others we know by the smell there's something wrong you have the hard evidence we do, yeah. And the first thing um, the engineer said, it's um, the, the location of the wastewater treatment plant is too close to, to homes where people have to live. So it never, never yeah. should have been placed. But even if it had been placed there, as you say, it was done temporarily for the 47 homes. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the county council should be ac- accountable in some shape or form. It should never have been located in, in that place. Because they put it in day one. 100%. Yeah. Uh, okay, we have a new government. Are you hopeful that that might, in some way, help the situation? We're very, very determined. We okay. no, we no longer want to live in a place that we have to smell sewage every single day. We will do whatever it takes, whether it's this government, the next government. We will do whatever it takes um, to change the location because that's the only long-term solution um, for us is to change the location of, of the treatment plant to a safer, more practical area. Like the other thing, Patricia, is we're not sure of what the long-term um, health risks are. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Living in this, yeah. So yeah. Irish Water haven't, you know, haven't had any studies that they can show us whether this is safe or whether it's unsafe and I don't want to risk you know my my family and my neighbours health um, because of the inaction of, of Irish Water um, and the EPA. Okay listen we'll keep in contact with you and if you get any update on this contact us Elaine uh, um, and keep fighting the good fight and it's, it's shameful that you have to do this that you have to fight like this but um, well done uh, for joining us today and talking to us on the programme. Before I go can I just make one one request for any of your listeners who have experienced such issues as we're experiencing if they can reach out to us on Twitter or email our email address is at belgooley underscore www TP, so that's Wastewater Treatment Plant, or email riverbankbelgooley 
www.wwtp at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from them. And we'd love to get as much advice and help on um, on this as possible. OK. Look after yourself, uh, Elaine. Thank you for that. Bye uh, bye, Elaine Tobin. Bless her heart. One of the residents from Riverbank in Belgooli uh, experiencing those dreadful smells from the wastewater treatment plant. On the way, catching up with your calls and uh, comments and Joe Heffernan uh, talking about young people and how the pandemic is affecting their happiness. Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103. Rod Stewart, I'll be playing your greatest hits. This may be so proud. It hasn't changed my life. This may be very proud. Hosea, what's 7 plus 8 minus 3 multiplied by 26? It's a, that's a, it's a tricky one. Some Oasis. Well, that's fantastic. That's great. And messing on the phone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and playing Cork's greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards. Weekdays from 1. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. I've just sent an email into Patricia at c103.ie from Irish Water in response to my chat with Elaine uh, Tobin for the good people of uh, Belgooli and what's going on with their wastewater treatment plant. And it's a short enough uh, statement so I can read it. It says, Irish Water have been responding to a number of queries from residents and elected representatives in the Belgooli area in relation to orders, o- odours emanating from Riverbank Wastewater Treatment Plant. While every query is logged and responded to separately, we are aware that residents continue to raise the issue of odours from the plant and remain concerned. In response to these queries, odours from the plant and the network have been investigated and the plant has also been desludged in recent weeks. But listening to Elaine, when they desludge the plant, they only get a couple of hours of respite and then the smell is back. But anyway, back to the statement. We want to assure the community that we are discussing this matter internally with our engineers, scientists and senior managers. Irish Water does not have funding to build a new waste water treatment plant for the Belgooli area at this time. However, it will be considered for capital investment again when planning future investment cycles. We are working to find options that will mitigate odour issues being experienced by residents living in the area at this time. And they say we'll revert to the community and elected representatives with an update in the uh, coming weeks. And it all goes back to money doesn't it and um, that's from Ashley Buckley by Irish Water and thank you um, Ashley. Uh, I appreciate you getting uh, back to us and it's good to know that they are discussing it internally they obviously are aware of the smells I mean when their engineers or whoever goes out their workers go out to do the desludging they're obviously co- going back saying yeah the smell is unreal they're getting the same smell that the residents are, are getting and I suppose in the ideal world if Irish Water had the funding they would be doing the work, but they don't have the funding. But you'd have to query, listening to Elaine, it's been going on for about a decade. You you wonder why it's been left to go on this long. And there has been funding. They have had funding streams since the good people of Belgooli have started complaining. You just wonder why. Is it because it's a small number of houses? It's, it's, it seems to be the 47 houses where the treatment where the temporary treatment plant was originally built for, they seem to be the ones most uh, suffering. Uh, but um, listen, at least they are, they do appear to be listening, even if they they say their hands are tied because they don't have the money. We've a, a new government. Let's, let's wait and see and let's be as hopeful as we can be for the good people of uh, Belgooli. OK, lots and lots of commentary and calls coming into the programme. Can I get to some of them? Still getting in calls and texts about the programme last night, the RTE Investigates programme, I think that stopped us all in our tracks watching it. It certainly stopped me in my tracks and gave us first-hand absolute reality of what it is like 
to live, have COVID-19 and to die from COVID-19 and, and how, just how difficult an experience it is for all those working in the ICU departments. Nelly in Mallow says, what a wake up call we got last night. I feel so, I was so sorry to see those people suffering. The work the staff did in these hospitals was a real wake up call and a great, ex- and really explained to us the consequences of coronavirus. I actually cried watching the programme last night. And then a number of people, and I have to say it was a lady that I thought that stood out for me last night was a lady called Lisa. She was Paddy, the gentleman who died, his support worker. And here's, here's just one text. We got a lot like this. And Patricia, I watched the St. James's COVID programme last night. Very, very good. So sad in pa- parts. But wasn't Paddy's support worker amazing, visiting every day? It actually puzzled me as I thought no visitors were, were ally- allowed. But brilliant caring staff worth their weight in gold. Uh, God bless us all. Uh, and then a couple of other people are saying how kind Lisa was when she brought his suit in to make sure that he'd be buried in his suit and then the hunt went on to find his pocket watch, his treasured possession that she put into into his hand. But when you're asking how did Lisa manage to get in every day uh, to visit, I think it was the fact that she was his support worker and the fact that Paddy was living in sheltered accommodation. So as a support worker, I take it that was the reason that she was able to get in just to make sure that he was okay and, you know, that uh, she was there for him and uh, and obviously she got to know the staff uh, really well uh, as well. Um, but she was above and beyond and then to see her and one other worker obviously from the sheltered accommodation at his funeral because he had nobody else in the world. I mean, to me, his story was absolutely heartbreaking and, and I'm, I'm nearly getting emotional thinking about it now when she was playing the um, the tunes for him on her on her phone, the, the Irish lullaby. Ah, that just, it had me just, re- I had tissues already, I had to go get more tissues uh, for that. Uh, may Paddy uh, rest in peace. But just what those, some care workers like that, some people who work in, in that caring profession, they just go above and beyond. And they it's it, to me, it's almost like a vocation. People like Lisa, God, we need more Lisas in this world. If we had more Lisas in this world, uh, what a caring, kind world uh, we would live in. Um, thank you for that. And Margaret says, Patricia, watching primetime last night, it reminded me of how much I'd forgotten about the pandemic. And that scares me. We must remain vigilant for all of our sakes. And for God's sake, staycation this year. It's the least we can do when you see what's asked of our wonderful frontline workers. Uh, thanking you, says uh, Margaret. Yeah, and you do... Because life is starting to return to normality, it's almost like we've forgotten the pandemic is gone. And it hasn't. It it definitely hasn't gone. And then other people are reacting to Declan Corbett, who joined us in the last hour. And not everybody happy with Declan's views. Let me give you some of them. Uh, Declan Corbett is talking so much bull. He's not living in the real world, particularly when it comes to the coronavirus. I certainly won't be eating at his restaurant with that attitude. Michael in Castletown Bear says, Patricia, tell that man he should stop listening to Donald Trump. He certainly wasn't watching primetime last night. Disgraceful listening to him running down Dr. Tony Houlihan. And Heidi says, Patricia, that gentleman talking about the M20 motorway, uh, it came across to me. He's only interested in keeping people uh, who would be able to support his own business. What planet is he uh, on? That motorway will save uh, lives. Even he's, he's always had that view, though, the view... 
that he spoke about with the motorway was just well I had him on I thought I'd, I'd, I'd bring it up again I, I didn't think that his attitude would have changed in, in any way but he's always believed that that was the wrong wrong route and there are a cohort of people believe it's the wrong route because the cheaper option would be to send it up through Mitchellstown and Fomoy Care uh, that way but you know you talk to anyone who has lived on the Butterfield, Charleville, Ballyhay Adair, all the people that have it's one of the most dangerous roads in Ireland and it definitely needs to be uh, dealt with. 1850 on face masks, still a lot of commentary coming in on face masks. Olivia and from Moy while I do wear a face mask when going out to the shops, so many people when talking about face masks thinking that wearing one will stop them from getting the virus. They also, some have appeared to have a chip on their shoulder if you say anything to them about their mask slipping off. People need to be mindful of their hands and hygiene and the face mask alone won't prevent it. It's a precaution. And can I stop you there, um, Olive? The face mask does not in any way stop you from getting COVID-19. All the face mask does is stop you passing it on to somebody else. That's the only the only thing that uh, it will do. Also on face mask, Catherine in Formoy. I'm listening to people on about face masks this morning and people on about bus drivers and not wearing a, fa- a face mask. People have got to remember that a face mask won't save your life. It just prevents you from passing it on. Thank you. That's the uh, the very same uh, comment that I, that I just reiterated. Um, yeah, that's what face masks do. I think if you've got two people together both wearing face masks, because obviously each is protecting each other. Did I hear somewhere two, meet, two metres apart, two people wearing face masks, having a conversation, uh, in 99.9% chance of both protecting yourself if one has uh, COVID-19. 1850 333 Paddy in Botovant is on about the good people of Belgooley and the smells coming from their waste treatment plant. He says Bosfavent had the very same problem a number of years ago. You could be in the centre of the town. You'd actually have to leave the town. The smell of sewerage would be so bad it finally got solved after the works was, was done and that's what that's what needs to be done and that's what the good people of Belgooley know needs to be done. They need a new waste water treatment plant. Margaret in the city was on to us. Anybody in the city know uh, where Margaret can get a document photocopied? She was able to go to the city library but those businesses are, are and other businesses but they're not doing it at the moment. They, the office supply shops, normally all of those, Margaret, do photocopying and they're all back open for business. I know the library is back open for business, but not open. They're they're operating differently. So obviously, that's one of the uh, one of the services that they're not offering at the moment, according to Margaret. But there's got to be shops in the city centre. Please, can anybody tell us if anyone listening to us is in one of those shops, works in those sh- shops, or has anybody recently been into the city centre and had to get a document photograph? photocopied. Can you point us in the right direction please so that we can let Margaret know she needs to get a document photocopied and in anywhere in the city centre please. 1850 Hi Patricia, just want to know why is it that when you receive your motor tax renewal form in the post that they don't give the prepaid envelope anymore. Has anybody else noticed this? I know they're asking you to do it online, but what about people that can't do it online? I don't know when they stop sending. I do remember that brown envelope. It was a prepaid, one of the government envelopes, remember? I don't know when they stopped actually issuing 
the prepaid envelopes and I'm assuming it was done for a cost uh, reason. The motor tax office as far as I know it's still closed to the public. I've gone onto the Cork County Council website now whether it just hasn't been updated or not but it's been closed since the 16th of March. It, it says it's still closed. We'll get that double checked to see if the motor tax still closed. They are telling people and right throughout shutdown they were telling people to go through motortax.ie to do it online. But the postal service is still there. You can still go with motor tax postal model business park on the model farm road in Cork. I take it you'll have to pay for it if the free envelope isn't there but you can still do it by the post even though they're encouraging people to do it online and we'll just do a double check to see if as I say online it says it's not open but maybe that hasn't been updated but we'll see if if it isn't opened when are they planning to op- open it. Sandy this is on people criticising bus drivers who don't wear masks. Sandy said, I'm fairly sure I heard that masks should not be worn while driving as it can interfere with your ability to drive. Anyway, the wearing of masks is not legally enforceable as legislation does not cover it yet on public transport travel. Uh, Yeah, but the legislation is due to go through, Sandy, this week. As and from yesterday, they were saying to people it was mandatory and then detailed regulations are being prepared by government uh, departments as we speak. Uh, I don't know how soon those regulations are going to be uh, in place. And when they're in place, that means then the people can be fined if they don't wear a mask while on public transport. Joanna in Dunmanway says, um, Re, Dunmanway Recycling Centre, I've plastic and cardboard coming out of me years. When will they be putting the large bins back? Will it be any time soon? I was, I'm down there daily with my glass for recycling, but I don't see, I didn't see the bins yesterday. Thanking you, says uh, Joanna in Doman. We, we got onto them last week, Joanna, and we were told that the reason that they were removed uh, while they used COVID-19 is the reason to remove it. But when the main reason they were being removed were people were using using the recycling facilities in Dunmanway to dispose of household rubbish and too much of the recycling items were getting contaminated. And it, it, and it annoyed me and saddened me because the minority that were doing that caused the majority to not be allowed to recycle their cardboard and their plastic. And I know, I'm sure, was it Kevin Murphy we spoke with? We spoke with one of the local councillors. No, don't remember. Anyway, we spoke with a local councillor at the time who said that they were going to do their best uh, and they were getting on to the company to see what could could be done. And, you know, I'd, I'd even suggested put in CCTV to try to catch the people. But they were saying it would be impossible because if somebody's throwing a black bag in, it's hard to know who put the black bag in, what was in the black bag, what actually contaminated uh, the item. So it is very, very frustrating. I don't know if you can get Joanna, if you have a car, and you can get to your nearest civic amenity site or if there's anybody that can help you out that could take your items for you to your civic amenity uh, site, your closest one. Because there are civic amenity sites operating in West Cork and all the civic amenity sites now are back up and uh, running. And certainly you can recycle your plastic and your cardboard there. And Chris in Whelan was on to say, Patricia, I would like to agree with somebody who contacted you last week who rang in about the NDLS you know, where you get your driving licence, the NDLS office in Mallow. And somebody rang in yesterday just to say how friendly and how helpful the staff were at the NDLS office in Mallow. Well, Chris says, I was there recently to renew my licence and they are so chatty and so pleasant. We actually ended up having a good laugh with the two assistants. The two assistants working there on the day that I called were absolutely 
fabulous. They made my day. So hip hip hooray to the Mallow office uh, for the NDLS. Well done. If anybody is going in there today, will you tell them we were talking about them on the radio? Because I take it they don't have a radio on. They're working too busy to have a radio on. Tell them we were talking about them and we were complimenting them on what great staff they are renewing people's driving licence in uh, Mallow. On people wearing the masks and asthma. I remember we dealt with the, with the Asthma Society on. It was one of our first interviews this morning. Hi Patricia. A lot of people who don't have asthma will use asthma as an excuse not to wear masks. If the government don't recommend that you will need to have a letter from your GP, if you're in that category, you're not able to wear a mask due to your severe asthma or COPD was the other issue that Eilish from the Asthma Society spoke about. They need to start issuing issuing letters a little bit like what they did for people that had to go to work at the start of the pandemic. It was great, by the way, to hear all of the information from uh, Eilish. Uh, it was great to hear answer all of the questions that you put to her. Only too glad to help you out on that. Uh, just a few more. Aidan from Yall. Hi, uh, Patricia. My mother is in Cork University Hospital, has been for the last five weeks and will be there for mo- some more time to come. She's 95. Bless her heart. And we can't see her at the moment. Is there any news on when we will be able to visit? I th- I'm sure that's July 20th is when we get to the final stage of the opening up. I'm sure hospital visitation is back on that. Now, uh, when I say that, it'll be individual hospitals will then, I imagine, decide their own rules and regulations. And we know nursing homes have reopened now to visitors, but there's very strict rules and regulations. Did you, I, again, I seem to spend my whole time crying watching TV. I was crying on the news watching that woman who drove from Sligo to Dublin to spend a half an hour with her mother and she couldn't give the mother the hug and they sitting apart and the mother was delighted to see her and oh my God, it broke my heart. And for the daughter to say, you know, the how much control she had to st- had to have on herself to stop her rushing over and giving her mother the biggest hug in the world having not seen her since before St. Patrick's Day so it was just heartbreaking to watch that as well. Now I'm not saying Aidan in you all that that's what's going to happen in CUH but there will be strict guidelines in place for all of the, the visiting at hospitals but as far as I know the visitation at hospitals is in the final phase and the final phase uh, comes into being on the 20th of July so unfortunately you have another three weeks uh, to wait and Sophie from Cork says Hi Patricia just wondering how many birthday cards did little Daniel from Cork receive I didn't hear the update in the end well actually I might get John Paul when he gets a chance when it's, when it's not too busy uh, to give Deirdre his mother a call we spoke with Deirdre on the day of Daniel's 10th birthday which was last Wednesday wasn't it and at that stage they had counted the cards and presents had arrived as well and they were at 1,000 521 but that was without the huge big box of cards that got delivered on the actual day of the birthday the postman had arrived so they hadn't counted those ones Uh, we'll put a call through to Deirdre when we get a chance uh, this week just to get the final tally because I know so many of our listeners had sent cards and presents we had a lot of our listeners sent presents as well people were very kind to little Daniel on his 10th birthday well done to everybody who who, um, took time out to send Daniel a card 1850-333-103 lines open The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council supporting businesses supporting communities Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. 
and Focus Ireland are inviting people to participate in their Show Your Colours campaign which will take place from the 3rd through to the 5th of July with very little inter-county sport or festivals taking place. They're encouraging people to brighten their community with flags and buntings and t-shirts and to support Focus Ireland at the same time. You can uh, register and show your photos to events at focusireland.ie And the Cork International Hotel is holding a fundraising raffle in aid of the Rainbow Club which is the Cork charity that helps families living with autism. The lucky winner will have exclusive use of the Cork International Hotel for their family on the weekend of the 10th and 11th of July. Tickets €20 each, they're limited to £5,000. So check out the Cork International Hotel's website for more details. And Church Town Community Council are fundraising to refurbish their community hall and asking people to donate a slate. It's €20 per slate and anyone who contributes €100 or more goes into a draw for an Apple iPad worth €400. You can donate online at www.ifundraise.ie forward slash CTS Community Hall. C103 encourages you to shop local during COVID-19. Entering phase three. Most businesses can now open. So let's help them get back to business by shopping locally. Use Facebook, Instagram and Twitter to search for hashtag shop local. And check to see what Cork businesses are now open. Now open. It's a sign of the time. Get everything you need from toys to toilet roll and groceries to gardening. Support your neighbours, friends and communities and shop local. It's a sign of the time. Supported by McCarthy Insurance Group, a Cork family business looking after you in this time of need. CMIG.ie Shop local with C103. Okay, and let's wrap up on a couple of more. Lots of texts and we'll do my best to get through them all. Hi Patricia, I contacted you yesterday about not being able to tax my car online. Remember they wouldn't accept this listener's email address. It kept coming up as an invalid. Well, I did as one of your listeners advised and I emailed them. I also rang them, but I rang them without success as it's an automated message. But just to let you know, I got a reply this morning and was successful in renewing my car insurance online. No problems. I'm very thankful. That is good to hear. And Thank you. It's always great when we get a response back like that. Uh, and then um, the listener who is wondering why the brown envelope. Remember the free post brown envelope when you're renewing your tax, why you don't get that anymore. Somebody says, Patricia, the motor tax does send out that brown envelope. I taxed my car and I got the brown envelope with the motor tax uh, form. And Catherine uh, is also saying, I got it. I find it much easier to do it by uh, post because when we checked online with the Cork Motor Tax Office they are accepting they are accepting your tax by post for people who don't want to or don't like to do dealings online so maybe for our listener there was just a mistake and your envelope didn't arrive in the post but certainly you can post it in uh, the address is Motor Tax Postal Model Business Park, Model Farm Road in uh, Cork. Hi Patricia, and the lady who is inquiring about photocopying. Now I don't know about photocopying, says this listener, but I tried in Blackpool this morning to get photos printed, but they're not allowing it at the moment. As they say, it's very hard to hand sanitise the unit. So maybe it's the same for photocopying. But then another listener says, up in Washington Street, Patricia, you can get photocopying done. It's on the junction of Hanover Street 
for that uh, listener. And then Margaret was on to say Ronnie Moore in Marlborough Street if they're open you can get stuff photocopied there. So there are some places open in the city. Mary is very annoyed with Declan Corbett who was giving out about Dr Tony Houlihan. Mary says how dare Declan come on to your programme this morning and speak about Dr Tony like that. It's obvious that Declan hasn't lost any member of the family to the virus and he did watch the primetime programme last night not good for his business talking like uh, that and we mentioned the driving licence office and the fabulous staff that are in the NDLS office in Mallow somebody says Patricia just to let you know the ND uh, if you are going to get your licence renewed or to get a new uh, licence just to let you know the NDLS are, are only accepting credit cards for payment for licence okay that's good to know because you don't want people turning up only to discover then that they're not taking cash anymore Patricia any idea when the revenue offices are reopened I'll pass I'll bounce that one out to John Paul and see if we can get it uh, checked for you uh, Hi Patricia when people are talking about face masks the visor is better you know when people are suggesting to use a visor for those who don't like or the people with asthma who find it difficult to breathe with a face covering over their mouth the visor is also better to prevent getting uh, any virus near the face they also protect the eyes I use the one with glasses as a headband it marks the forehead and it's not very comfortable just to let people know and I know last week when we mentioned the visors I think there wasn't a chemist shop that didn't, we didn't hear from that are selling those visors so they are quite easy to get and a lot of people find them much more comfortable particularly the one that's the headband that goes across your forehead um, now I haven't worn one so I have to say hands up I don't know how comfortable they are but certainly we were hearing from people last week who, who found them fantastic particularly those that are not able to wear the face coverings they don't like it across their mouth and John says Patricia I'm wondering when will they put more trains on at the moment there are only four trains going from where I live uh, there is one in the morning one in the afternoon one in the evening and one late at night before COVID-19 there was one perhaps every two hours I work away from home and I sometimes use the train to travel to and from work but it's inconvenient at the moment that they're not putting on enough enough trains. Well I know with commuters now being asked to wear face coverings on public transport one of the reasons they were doing that is capacity on public transport is increasing this week. It was only running at 20% last week. It's gone up to 50% this week. Now we're still not at 100% and it will be a while, I think, before we get to 100%. So I would suggest to you, John, check in again with the train times because certainly they've increased capacity from 20% to 50% as more people go back to work. And as more people go back to work, there will be a need for more public transport. So certainly there will be uh, an increase. 1850-333-103. Uh, we're going to take a break and we are back with Joe Heflin after these. Farm Sir Walter, Lassie 103. How COVID needig on shut in air and agus calm with our ahorts can wit fain agus a kayla a husant. Anish ta plan la care came in a aun la hygantira uskul to reach. Tommy zegan zar came fui laher agus marshin be derla kupla shrianta a via on hana. Nervines to umwit in a not, fan ga vazer air alive ochina ella. Matosh of last year agus a mask on fubble, beater air and must known train, dane irach the raiga kahav on tamar fad. They should be agus unit shubadorach the egg uskul to reach the real kaskara social. Usaj on Digalran Egandurus Agus Tor Ara Latin Agus Gunadini Elisa Shuppa Bigi Masu Bigni the Lav Nis Minica Legalunak Agasishka Nabi Lagan Lav Cool fact 
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Joe Heffernan joins us from Boherboy on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. Uh, and you're welcome. And uh, today we are going to focus on young people. And this was data uh, that came from the Central Statistics Office. I was reading about this during the week, showing young adults suffer su- suffer greatest decline in happiness during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and, and I suppose it's it's affected everybody, hasn't it? I mean, it's really, it's, it, 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 there's no age group that hasn't been affected by this. No, but I suppose, um, in fairness, the likes of myself, now our, our own uh, selves, Mary and myself, um, we'd be the, kind of, in a way, now the least affected, the over 70s. Um, that might sound a bit deaf now, with it being called a vulnerable group and all. But, you know, um, we are not exactly job hunting. We are not about to go in once again to higher education, I hope, um, and things like that. So the younger people who have their lives in front of them have been greatly affected. Like um, more than four, imagine, more than four in ten younger adults um, say that the the pandemic had a negative financial impact on them. Well, no, we know that. So many of them are in, for example, the catering industry, uh, including one of our own. And um, yeah, you know, for months now they're yeah. And then a lot of young, a lot of younger people who would have been picking up their summer work, yeah. and that summer work disappears. Absolutely, and a very high percentage, a third. Imagine now, a third said that they felt downhearted or depressed, at least some of the time. Um, uh, around uh, during the, the pandemic. During the lockdown. Now, that's up from one in ten in 2018. Um, it's amazing, um, the percentages. 76.9, we'll call it 77% of respondents living in multiple-person households were somewhat are very concerned about household stress from confinement, while 6% were concerned about violence 
in the home. We've heard an awful lot yeah. uh, during this pandemic about uh, domestic violence. And people, and, um, people being trapped. Yes. N- no break, no respite from it at all because the yeah. abuser was locked into the house with them. It was just it's shocking. And it's, it's still going on. Still yeah, going on. and, and um, more than three in five respondents aged 70 and over um, uh, reported a high satisfaction rate for personal relationships in both 2018 and 2020, while almost three in five very high respondents aged 18 to 34, um, uh, their, um, their personal satisfaction with their personal relationships uh, fell to fewer than two in five in April 2020. And teenagers were also feeling self-doubt about higher education. Well, I mean, I suppose it's fair to say that the education scenario was all over the place. At that stage, yeah, yeah. It must have been awful for them, especially the students who would have been genuine students who would have been working hard, um... I always think, I, I always feel I, I'd have a great grow like for younger people. And um, uh, it's sad the way that um, this whole thing has impacted on their lives. And I think we should be cognizant of that. I know that they're getting a lot of criticism recently, especially the older student body, the likes of College Road and Cork and that. We've all been reading about it. And it is way out of order. No question about it. But... Um, the general younger people, um, you know, uh, people in, say, fourth, fifth class in uh, secondary school, you know, their whole lives have been up in the air wondering what's going to happen next. I was going to go to college. I intended to do whatever, and I don't know what's going on. And even the people in third level, um, one of our sons now would do um, a bit of part-time lecturing in UCC. He'd be, after doing his doctorate in, uh, and has a few books published to do with history, he doesn't know what's going to happen in September. Will there be a bit of work there? Won't there be? So all these younger people, um, you know, they're in a very, very uncertain world. And, um, and that has to give rise to an awful lot of stress, Patricia. Yeah, it, it it does, and it's it's an age group that should be summer holidays, sunshine, having fun, looking forward to you know the next stage in their lives, and instead they're gripped with this uncertainty. Absolutely, and even the issue of sport. I mean, a lot of you know, maybe even a great majority of younger people are either involved actually physically in sport or are interested in it. Now, personally, I mean. I have found that since the bit of sport came back, that that's wonderful. Um, I I never would have realised the actual importance of sport until we were deprived of it and now that it's back. Yeah, well, it's a little bit like the trip to the hairdressers. Yeah. Yesterday, yeah. the amount of people that I saw online who managed, like my good self, to get an appointment on the first day, everybody saying the same thing. We never realised how much we appreciated our hairdresser. Yes. And it's a yeah. simple thing in many ways, but it's just it's when it's taken from you yeah. that you realise. And it's the same as you say with the sports. And I think 
as well for younger people the one thing they I mean if you think back when we were all you know that age you know that 18 to 25 your friends are so important to you and yeah. being with your friends and yeah. spending time with your friends and that was taken yeah for for many during lockdown they couldn't visit friends they couldn't have friends over no and you know they you know they they were good with the technology and the zoom and the facetime and all that but yeah. it's not the same but even the smaller kiddies who were in the creches and who were in the play schools and all. You know, okay, we can be trying to entertain them and there's plenty of, what is this, the um, Paw Patrol Patrol, and all that. But, you know, there's no substitute for them able to visit their own little friends and to, um, you know, to to mess about with... um, uh, you know, in in groups um, with their own, as it were, with their own people, and um, and that was gone as well. So it's 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 been a scourge on the world. It really has, and we're going to have to uh, make an awful lot of. Um, I think our our mental well being. Every single one of us, um, but I can only speak for myself, that our our mental health and well being definitely um uh, has suffered no question about it um it's 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 something we never had before and um and we'll have to you know we need to uh find some sort of thoughts or deeds or mechanisms um to to help us to cope with it um you know which kind of brings us to um, this word that we hear so much about resilience, and we need to be resilient now. Um, we've needed to be resilient for the past I don't know how long, and um, and and as they keep telling us, and to so true, it's not over yet. And let's hope that we don't get um, dipped back into the awfulness of it. I don't think we will. I think even if we do get. Um, uh, a resurgence of the virus that uh, I think we will be able to cope with it. We've learned. Yeah, well, I, and, and I think the powers that be have all said that we, we'll never go back to the lockdown that we had. No. But that's not to say that, you know, while we're taking step forwards, we may have to take step backwards and we may have to, some services may have to close again in the future. Are what they're doing in, in England, I mean, I'm reading this morning, uh, the city of Leicester, and the entire Leicestershire, uh, uh, the the county around it, they've gone into lockdown because of the amount of cases. And we might see that happen going forward where we'll have regional lockdowns. Oh, yes, yes. So, you know, I, I, I think it would be, but, but you're right, we need to, we need to build this resilience because it isn't gone away and it's not going away for a long time to come, unfortunately. No, and, um, you know, we all think about, um, or I do anyway, I'd be thinking, OK, Christmas, the end of 2020. But, uh, you know, on, I, I, here, here's the old mantra again, like, um, you know, you'd be tired of hearing it in a way that unless we have a vaccine um, by uh, either 2020, the end of, or early-ish in 2021, um, we're stuck with this blooming thing in one way or another for, for quite a while. Now, I think we've learned a bit of how to adapt um uh but um uh, it's 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 not going away and um we're hearing an awful lot now about the dangers of um of uh, foreign travel and we're being advised that unless we absolutely need to go 
it's not recommended at all. So that's another downer, in a way, for a lot of people who would be lucky enough to have been able to book a holiday um, in the likes of, I suppose, Spain, Portugal, it'd be the usuals. Um, yeah, well, actually, we when we heard Dr. Tony Houlihan, you know, saying to people, and it's all over the papers uh, today, don't you know if you've got a holiday booked I mean he's gone so far as to say cancel it yes. uh, we actually put up uh, on our one of our Insta stories earlier we were asking people uh, would they consider a foreign holiday and, uh, and I don't know if that's been updated yet John Paul or not but earlier it was at 88% of people said no they won't go away this year it was just 12% uh, saying that they would yes. um, well you can add us to the, to the 88% because um, we wouldn't dream of it um, uh, you know um, we'd be we'd be a little bit hopeful about 2021. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or what we've kind of said until there's a vaccine. Yeah, we, fair you know, enough. Because obviously we've got Marsha and we need to protect her. So Absolutely. I mean, I think I yeah. think with, with with that in, in mind. But yeah. there are. I mean, listen. I know, and I know of friends of mine who have said they're going away as soon as travel opens up. Uh, there will always be. You will never get a hundred percent of people unless we close, lock the country down, and I and uh, and keep everybody in. And I saw our new minister for transport. Uh, Eamon Ryan of the Green Party saying that that's not possible we won't be ever able to close the country down completely we can't stop people coming in and we can't stop people going out we well, can but we can force them to self-isolate that's what we can do Yeah yeah. and I remember talking to you before that became the big issue and I was saying that if you have burglar alarms and all that and you have your front door locked but if you leave the back door open it doesn't make a lot of sense and that's in a way the way things were with people pouring into ports and airports. It was it was daft. Um, then again, there are people who, for their business, they they have to they have to travel. Um, and I think that essential travel um, is recognised as being, you know, um, uh, something that has to happen. But um, uh, l- l- let's say the le- the leisure travel just for holidays and that that we really, really, really need to think twice or three times about that. Well, the advice has always been non-essential travel. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. A holiday is, yeah. non- is non-essential. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, uh, we, we, we need to think of ourselves, our families and the general public that um, we don't want to be coming back from someplace that we're suddenly hearing has had a spike and that um and 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 that we you know that we have the stress and the worry then of I wonder um what about that day that I was in the crowded cafe? What about the day that I went to the beach? Oh gee, am I in trouble? You know, who needs that? Yeah, and I think we we all got I don't know if you watched the Primetime Investigates programme last night, we all got a reality check of just did you see it last night? I um, have it taped and I didn't see it yeah, yet. Yeah, have 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 your tissues ready when you're watching it. It's it's a it's a tough it's a it's a tough watch. And by the way, uh, somebody's asking about the second part. The second part is actually tonight. It's not next week. Somebody yeah. thought it was next week. It's tonight, and yeah. tonight is survival and a recover, recovery where they look at the people coming off the ventilators, leaving the uh, ICU, and it's the first step on a long, long road to uh, recovery. For some people, they say it can take days, weeks, or even months. Right. So it isn't a case of you just get over it and then, and you it's know, gone. 
you know, your hubby yeah. or your wife comes to collect you and you're home and everything is, is okay. It's, it's, yeah. it's a nasty, nasty um, uh, complaint uh, for sure. Okay, and, and you're doing well. You're out and about. And, but, are you, but are you being very careful when you're out and about and being vigilant? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, the old bit of golf came back, and that's great. And um, so you couldn't have a safer thing because, um, you know, talk about social distancing. I mean, <laughs> you could be talking about 50 yards, mm. um, and um, uh, um, and they've ran the thing very well. So that would be an old stress buster for me. Um, yeah, and I, I always felt I could never understand why they... Golfing was one of the ones that they closed down. Because yeah. I, 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 you know... I think when we look back on this time and we reflect, there will be mistakes have been made. And I think that's one of the ones they're going to look back on and say, they should have left the golfing in place. Yeah, provided that, um, you see, the restaurant is closed, the locker rooms are closed. Um, it's strictly kind of turn up in your car on your own, get onto the golf course, play your game of golf, get back into your car and come home. And um, and that way, there's no risk to anyone. Yeah, and that's yeah. We need to abide by all of the rules and regulations that yeah. are in place, and there are a lot of them. Let's be honest. Yeah. And there'll be more and more, I think, as we continue out of uh, lockdown. Okay, we'll chat again next week. Uh, Joe, have a good week. Yeah, we and can do we can do that thing now about um, uh, the resilience. Perfect. Next week. Perfect. Have yeah. a good week. Talk soon. Yeah. Bye bye. Uh, that is uh, Joe Heflin, who runs a counselling practice in Bohabwee's number zero two nine seven six six one seven and. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to uh, John Paul for uh, producing uh, today. And thank you to a lot of people contacting the programme today. Our apologies if we didn't get to all your calls and comments. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10. I'm Patricia Messenger. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.